0: From the Jethro's Barbecue Studios, now featuring Happy Mondays with two-for-one Happy CBD Cocktails, this
1: is Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. For 75 years, NCMIC has been doing the right thing for its customers, employees, and the community. Now, here's Miller and Condon. Two, Welcome to Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Bottom of the hour, Scott Dockerman on uh, the Big Ten and on Iowa in particular. wrote a long-form piece. The Athletic on uh, Tyler Linderbaum today. Be a good read for you Hawkeye fans out there as he gets set to hear his name on the opening night of the NFL draft. Well, Matt Rudy joins us to preview and recap all of the majors and periodically, Ryder Cup, etc., cetera. And he's back with us. Matt, Trent, and Ken, thank you for coming on. How are you, Matt Rudy?
0: i um, not doing as well as Scotty Scheffler is, but I'm, I'm doing all right. <laughs> what
1: a run, right? I mean, Super Bowl Sunday, he'd never won a tournament, and since then he's won four, I mean, a PGA tournament event. Uh, just, I mean, you, we've seen guys get hot in the past, but this seems like it's another level, Matt.
0: It is. I, I, I think Tiger spoiled us. This is the kind of stuff Tiger used to do, right? And, and then, But he did it for 10 years, and it became less of a big deal because he did it all the time. And then over the last few years, when you see the number of different players who've won majors and been number one in the world, it's almost like golf got back to normal a little bit where the number one and and majors and things got passed around to a few different players. So then when somebody goes on a heater like this again, and he he won a world golf championship, he won the masters, you know, he's won four events and six starts. And, uh, and, you know, that, that's, uh, you know, this is a 25 year old. Guy, I mean, he had he has great pedigree. He was a fantastic college player, and you know, it isn't a surprise that he's a wonderful PGA Tour player. But post Tiger Woods, you know, having a stretch like that is pretty impressive.
2: Because of the buildup, because of Tiger, and because of the way the tournament played out, it almost felt for long periods of the weekend that it was a foregone conclusion that it was going to end with Scheffler holding up the getting the green jacket, and it was going to be over. It just it left something to be desired. Is that a Scotty Scheffler problem? Just kind of a, a boring. Mm-hmm. He was a good junior golf player. Here he is playing well. Not a surprise. It just doesn't feel like the story is that that exciting, that interesting, that different than kind of what we're used to in the golf world. Do you see it that way?
0: Oh, I didn't see it that way. I mean, I'm I'm biased because I I like Scotty a lot. He's one of my favorite PGA Tour players, and I think there was a great mixture of storylines, and 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 I think the action on Sunday was. Fascinating too. When Cameron Smith came out and birdied the first two holes, yeah. and immediately shrunk the lead to one, mm-hmm. and then Scotty chips in on the third hole. I mean, that, I mean to to be able to to play the third hole like he like he did after playing the first two pretty shaky, mm-hmm. and hit that shot and you know, knock it in the hole and, and change the dynamic of the tournament, and then have to have Rory go crazy and shoot sixty four and hole out a bunker shot. I, I think there was a there was a a wide array of story. I think the only Come down was, you know, how frail Tiger looked coming up, yeah. you know, 17 and 18, having, you know, done those, those walks four days in a row. I mean, there's optimism because I think he sees a path where he can play golf, but it really showed you physically how much of a, how much, how much of a beating he took. You know, doing what he did last week.
1: No, it was remarkable, and, and I couldn't agree with you more. I, I was, it was painful to watch him walk up 18. The fans, uh, the patrons, beg your pardon, uh, absolutely ate it up. You know, I want to go back to that third hole where you're talking about, Matt, because I could not agree with you more. I honestly thought after Smith had hit his drive, and it was left, but um, you know, he looked like maybe he was going to come up with a little trouble. And then when Scheffler hit his, and one of the announcers said, I don't ever recall a ball being hit that far left. It's a one-shot it, it's, it's one lead at the time. And then I saw, we saw Scheffler uh, hit his second shot. He comes up short. I'm thinking, you know what? Smith's going to walk off, walk off the third hole with the lead, for crying out loud. Correct. What a remarkable swing.
0: It was, it was a remarkable swing, and it shows you when a golf course is set up correctly, like they always do at Augusta National, all kinds of stuff can happen. You know, positive things can happen like what Rory did. If you hit good shots, the course rewards you with birdie. You know, they, they put, they put the flags in these little, the, the, uh, these little bowls where if you hit a good shot, it kicks it toward the hole to give you a look at birdie. And if you hit a poor shot, it repels it. So you can make, you know, if you, if Cameron Smith, 12, the 12th hole is a perfect example. You hit it right at that flag or you make a, you make an, an undecided kind of a swing like you did, and you're going to make a triple. Yeah, but if you hit a good shot and you know you have a 15 or 20 footer for birdie and you can make it you can you can move up and so so i think and i think we talked about this on on this show the, the golf course itself is one of the characters in this in, mm-hmm. you know in, in in masters weekend and it participated by you know revealing the 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 toughest competitor at the end of the week scotty just kept hitting these great Wedge shots. He saved par hitting these great wedge shots. He hit these great little shots around the green. He made the putts when he needed to make them. And, and the golf course revealed who the best player was in the week, and I think that's all you can ask for.
2: Was it Ty Hatton that didn't like the setup of Augusta? <laughs> Is it... He doesn't like anything. <laughs> okay. So, so fill us in a little bit, because I see the comments and felt like sour grapes reading it. So fill us in on this guy, because not only do you have a guy saying that, you just... You don't hear that people say that about Augusta. Yeah, no. U.S. Open. No, never. You complain about <laughs> it. You complain about, especially when you play poorly. People complain about it. Not here. What's going on?
0: Well, I mean, he's he's famous for uh, hitting shots that you know they, they they might be seven seven yards off line or something where he you know leaves himself with a thirty footer, but he's outraged by that outcome. Um, you know, he's just you know, he he just burns in a different way, and I think there's some players that thrive. With ne- you know negative kind of energy, and, and he's definitely a very talented player. He's won on the European Tour several times, um, uh, and I think at a place like Augusta, if you're just a little bit off, and if you got the wrong weather that you weren't expecting, you know when it's you know it was cold, it was it was windy, it was a difficult place, and, and, and the place requires such precise uh, land angle on your shots. If the, if you're if you're off, it rejects your shots. and. And I think if you've had a frustrating week and it builds up and it builds up and his ball striking stats got worse every day, you know I think it's just emblematic of a player who struggled. I think it's the reason why, for example, in the NBA they have that cooling off period where you can't go in the locker room right after the game, because I think if you interviewed players right afterward, you might you might get a different take than when, than when cooler heads prevail about ten minutes later
1: uh when was the last time and i'm sure it's happened i can't think it's happened very often that the winner of a major four puts the final green
0: <laughs> well so it's nice to be able to have the option to are still one by three <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah i mean he could have taken six if he wanted right. to you should stick handled on i, I think yeah. what what it, what it really illustrate is how you know, i mean how how narrow the focus is and the blinders that you have to have on uh, and he did, he, 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 he walked that whole course. He didn't look at scoreboards. He didn't get caught up in what, what other players were doing. And he had such a commanding lead that he made the conscious decision, walking up to 18. He says, I'm going to enjoy this. This yeah. has been an amazing week. And he let the blinders come off and it just shows you how difficult it can be to manage those emotions, even on the shortest putt on the golf course. I mean, there was a minute there when I was watching that, I was thinking, Hopefully you can hockey one of these in right. because it becomes so emotional. You can't, you can't control your hands. And I, and I know all of us, whether it's golf or anything else in your life, you know, whether you had a great date that you went on or whatever, something that, that makes you emotionally respond to something. When, when you think of what little precise movements those players have to make when they hit those delicate shots, the only way to be able to do that is to stay in this kind of zone that great players like Tiger can get into all the time. And then what we're watching from these other players is the closer they can get to doing it more often is, is, is how they you know, they control it and, and and win and win these kinds of tournaments.
2: Matt Rudy joining us, Golf Digest. Matt, let's. Uh, I want to get back to Tiger and the weekend. It was back to back 78s. Ken and you talked a little bit earlier about just him down the stretch, but the smile that he had coming off the course. We talked mm-hmm. about this earlier. I cannot remember a time, even going back to the green jacket in 2019, Charlie coming up, the big hug, the elation that seemed to be on the face. That was, or relief. (laughs) Yeah, a different kind of tiger than I ever remember seeing him making his way back to the clubhouse. What did you see, and what does it mean also going forward?
0: I think you're right. It's a different attitude for sure. I think there's gratitude in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he could have died in that accident. I mean, he could have he could have killed somebody else. He could have lost a leg. I mean, this all could have been over, and it wouldn't have been a way that he decided for it to be over. You know, we, we watched Jack Nicklaus, for example, decide this year to not play in the Par 3 tournament. Jack Nicklaus extracted every bit out of his playing career and every bit out of his master's experience and hitting shots into his 70s and his 80s. Mm. Tiger could have had that all taken away, and I think that that produced a change in his attitude. And I also think that when you're not the dominant player anymore, I mean, he's got more friends now. He's got more friends on tour. He's talking to more players. When he was the alpha and he was, you know, kicking everybody's butt every week, he wasn't. He wasn't friendly to anybody. He shut everybody out, and and that that aura is part of what made him so hard to beat. And now I think we're in this sort of twilight period where he still wants to win, but you know, he's letting people in a little bit more because I don't think he, he, you know, he doesn't have the same, I mean, it's, it's wrong to say energy level, but he doesn't have the same vibe that he did before where he needs to, to, to crush everybody. That's not, that's just not the place he is in his career. And I, and I think the game is, is, is better for it in that he can be, he can be who Tiger Woods has always been, but also be this new kind of uh, conduit to to the new era of players. He's friends with Justin Thomas and kind of, you know, downloading what he knows about the game to, to a, a, new, a new era of player. I mean, Tiger Woods, there's going to be a time when he isn't winning these. So to, to be able to transmit some of that to somebody else, I think, is a good thing. Uh,
1: he's committed to the British Open uh, at St. Andrews. What's the likelihood Southern Hills, which is the PGA, in about a month, I think, uh, a little bit longer than a month. What do, what do you think? Does he get to Tulsa uh, for golf second major, or do we not see him again until uh, you get across the pond?
0: Not just the name, right? Southern Hills. It right. It doesn't, yeah. sound, it doesn't <laughs> sound great. I mean, the, the one thing that works uh, in, in, in Tulsa's favor, I think, is that it's going to be warmer. Right. And and when it's warmer, he can get looser and he can play. I mean, ideally, if the, if the PGA were during the time it usually is, in Tulsa it would be 172 <laughs> degrees, and, and it would be really warm. But um, I think it's a tough walk. And I think he's, you know, sort of deferring on those decisions because I bet you he's taking this week just to see what this all took out of him mm-hmm. and, and what he would have to do differently or additionally between now and then or now in the U.S. Open. Really, he's got to decide on that first, or you know, there, or not first. Excuse me, for before the British Open, he's got to decide on the U.S. Open too because that's in June. Yeah. And I think I think he's got to figure out um, what strategy worked. To, to get ready for this tournament, what, you know, what could he do better or more? And if that's even available to him, you know, if, if, if and if this is the standard of golf that he can play, uh, if there isn't any more in the tank, then he's starting to think about, you know, how much longer he wants to do this. Cause I don't think he's going to um, accept shooting seventy eights on the weekend because of the stamina and because of what his leg offers him as, as a long-term uh solution to continue to play tournament golf if he can if he can get it better and he can feel better with his body uh i, I don't think it's unreasonable to think he could play five six seven eight tournaments a year a
2: couple of uh guys that didn't have great tournaments john Rahm, who played with tiger on sunday the top betting favorite coming into the tournament and then brooks kepka missing the cut <laughs> i know we talked about the blonde hair last week <laughs> as we were previewing things but your takeaway of both those guys disappointing uh weeks at augusta
0: yeah, it's it's disappointing, and I, and I think the it, it shows you when when the weather throws a curveball at a place like that, you know, where the where the margins are thinner. Um, for example, St Andrews is the is the Open Championship this year, and when you have different kinds of weather at the Open Championship, you have options for shots along the ground, and to, and to, and to do some different things. The golf course is accommodating to winds, and it you know it can it can offer you some some uh, some different solutions. Augusta National is so perfectly manicured and the weather is almost always really good that when you get wind and you get cold, if you're not you know, really sharp and if you don't have a really strong mental game that week, it's easy for it to get away from you. And as soon as you lose contact with the leaders, and, and and you feel like you don't have it and i and i think that's the place for example that brooks kepka was you know, he said it to me personally in this big interview we did for golf digest last year it doesn't he doesn't it, he doesn't get anything from finishing second or eighth there's no moral victories for him in major championships so so if he's you know drifting along to the cut line and you know 10 or 12 shots behind and he's just going to hang out for the weekend i don't think that fires him up the way it did, for example, for Tiger this week. I mean Tiger saw making the cut as an enormous victory. And he was grinding as hard to do that as he would grind to, to win a major championship, you know, to, to actually take home the title. Other players I think are wired slightly differently than Tiger is, which which might be the understatement of all time. <laughs> and I think when you when you lose contact with the with the lead sometimes it it, it you know, you, you kind of you kind of sleepwalk through the weekend, and I think that's what we saw.
1: A mm. couple of positives to end on this. Danny Willett thought he played really well. hadn't heard of him since he, you know, was an improbable Masters Championship a handful of years ago. Uh, and then I like re- I was really into the Harold Varner at least after sure. Thursday, Friday, but then he blows up on Saturday, got it going again on Sunday, but really after Saturday was out of contention. So uh, Willett uh, had a, had a nice comeback, in Varner.
0: He did, and Charles Swartzel did too. Yeah, and those good guys have We haven't seen any of them in you know in a decade, and I think there, there's something about that place too. And, and we've talked about it a lot on this show. Uh, when you come back to the same location every year and you've had success there, I think even when you've been struggling, you know, Bubba Watson, we haven't you know we haven't, we haven't seen Bubba That's Watson outside yep. of Augusta National, and you know five years but something about that place mm-hmm. because you can have such warm feelings and you know what you're coming back to i think that that uh can can help clear away some of the cobwebs and i, I to your point rory doing what he did on sunday i mean at some point that has to hopefully <laughs> inspire him to win one of these you know that the fact that he's never won a master's and he hasn't won a major in seven years to me that's that's the constant Keys about Rory at Augusta, and, and and you hope that something like this, like a sixty-four on Sunday, is what's going to put him back into the conversation for favorites or co-favorites when we do this again next year.
1: I mean, can you imagine if Morikawa and, and and Rory were you know battling for the lead, the numbers, of people that witnessed what they saw in that final hole, but was really for what fifth place and eighth place or something like that? Anyways, um, or, or if, two and I mean, five.
0: If if if, if Scotty hadn't done what he did, and and Rory posted that number. And you know, and and was only one behind. Yeah. And Scotty had to play the last hole with uh-huh. a guy in the house that you know, one you know, you know, one back. The dynamic could really be different. But what he does, Rory shoots. You know, he, Rory's the best. You know, thir- second, third, and fourth round golfer on the planet. He can't <laughs> seem to get out of his own way after the first round.
1: Yeah, you know what? I'm convinced. though if even if Rory was close. And you said it when Scheffler kind of lost focus walking up to 18, wanted to, you know, soak it all in a little bit. He probably makes his birdie putt the way he was going. <laughs> uh, he was unreal. Matt Rudy, thank you for doing this. We'll talk to you in about a month, Matt Rudy, as we get set uh, for Southern Hills. And then you'll be making your way to St. Andrews for the Open Championship, the final major of the year. Matt Rudy, Golf Digest. Anything coming up with Golf Digest you'd like to promote, Matt?
0: Uh, uh, I've been working on a big story with Scotty Scheffler, so the timing's been good. So look for that coming up pretty soon.
1: Good stuff. I'll see it (laughs) on my Twitter account and retweet it to the audience. Thanks, pal. Appreciate it. You bet. Good to talk to you. Matt Rudy, Golf Digest, as we uh, put a bow on an anticlimactic Masters weekend. It was. Golf course was phenomenal.
2: PGA, though, as opposed to August. It's way better. I'm so into football in August. Mm -hmm. It's just it's overlooked. It has to be, I mean, it has to be a perfect confluence of things for it to work in August. Uh-huh. You have to have a great leaderboard. Right. You have to have a course that kind of... Somebody going for pops. a Grand Slam and that never happens. Right. You need to have a really big mm-hmm. storyline. There was a few years back, more than a few now, probably six, seven years ago, it was a leaderboard that was just star-studded. I mean, it was every stud imaginable. It's like every young player, a mm-hmm. couple of veterans. It, that worked. But if it's not that, yeah. if it's what we had even last week, even a little better than last weekend, but it's guys like that kind of fighting it's timing. Yeah. and now in may, we'll be searching. We'll be searching for something. No, you're 100 percent right. Uh, the, the,
1: this, this weekend, as Matt said, the tournament uh, the course is one of the stories. It was remarkable, mm-hmm. and watching the place just banged out the way it was, all the, all the folks back and it, it, it was good to see. I just there was no drama no. I mean, as, as cool as Morikawa and Rory making those shots back-to-back on 18, it was for nothing. It didn't matter. It really didn't matter. Although McIlroy, for finishing second, earned $1.6 million. To finish the work of second. second. You can hit it. Unbelievable. Uh, we'll come back. Talk Hawks with Scott Dockerman, Miller & Condon. On a
2: Monday, it's Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3. Do you remember the time that Michael Jordan won the first of his 3 P championships? It's been a while, but the answer is 1993. Do you know when Wolf Roofing started roofing houses? That's right, 1993. Wolf Roofing has been around for a long time. For your next roofing project, put the experience of Wolf Roofing on your side. Find them on the web at wolfroofing.net or give them a call at 515-225-8866. Or online, Wolfie... Get in on the app with the world's
3: largest sportsbook right at your fingertips. Circa Sports Iowa is where the pros play. Enjoy the highest limits, lowest takeouts, and competitive betting menus. Download, fund, and bet from anywhere in Iowa. Circa Sports Iowa. Sports betting the way it should be. Download your new bookie today. Visit CircaSports.com. Must be over 21 and present in Iowa to bet. Have a gambling
0: problem? Call one 800 one for podcasting
2: Victory Mounds is your ace when it comes to premium baseball and softball products and services. Utilizing our vast game and industry expertise, we sell portable pitching mounds, field equipment, and field products that we trust, use, and have used when coaching or playing. But that's not all. Victory Mounds Field Consulting Services can help you improve the quality and playability of your field. Craig Allison has years of experience in the mound business and is Victory Mounds National Sales Executive, while Mike Donahoe is in charge of field equipment and products. Visit VictoryMounds.com to see what Victory Mounds can do for you.
3: Victory.com.
1: Welcome back, just past 11.30 on a Monday, Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO, Trends Play of the Day, Circus Sports sponsors that, I'll give you one, if you're struggling, I've got one for y- you. You got so. one, I've, huh? got, I've got a cinch. I'm ready for that. Yeah, cinch. Uh, let's get our buddy Scott Dockerman in here from The Athletic, he's been putting out a ton of content as spring football rolls along, Scott Dockerman, how are you?
3: I'm doing great, guys. How are you today?
1: Doing well. I've been talking about your uh, your long form piece on Tyler Linderbaum this morning that uh, was posted. At least I saw it for the first time this morning at the Athletic. It's a very good read. Kind of goes, um, you know, inside the family aspect of it. It's uh, how long did the story take to come together, and what if anything, Doc, did you find out about the soon to be drafted uh, Tyler Linderbaum that you didn't know?
3: Oh, <laughs> well, that's a good question. Um, I, I would say. I knew a, a lot about him, but I think in sitting down with his family, you, you just kind of see how he became the person that he did, and not just um, you know as, a, as an athlete, as a competitor. You know, those stories kind of parallel a lot of young people who are in that realm. But but I think when you look at you know how he's how loyal he is, you know, and and going more in depth on what they thought of the stories, like when he was at uh solon his senior year of baseball and didn't want to leave his team but he still needed to work out at iowa or wanted to work out at iowa so he was pulling double duty where he uh you know have 6 a.m weightlifting sessions um at iowa every day in the in june then have class then go up to solon and have batting practice or a game and be back and and just to do that and and the crazy thing is he only missed one practice, he never even missed a game when he was doing that and it's just it really just shows the loyalty that he's had over the years and then of course, as a player he's uh, uh there are very few players that I've seen in his at his caliber at Iowa.
2: There's, of course, the knocks that go against him. Arm length is back at the forefront <laughs> of the, the conversation. In. <laughs> it just, it's ridiculous on that front. But I guess what would be a concern for you? That he doesn't turn into a Pro Bowl type of center year in, year out. Keeping injuries out of it, of course, that goes hand in hand with it. But what would be your concern with Leonard Baum making that kind of leap and, and becoming a Pro Bowler year after year?
3: I don't have very many with him uh, because mm-hmm. just, his makeup is he's one of the more solid players, if not the most, the lowest risk player there is in the yeah. draft. Um, you know, it, it would, you know, one thing that would maybe give me pause if there's anything is if I was on a type of a team that preferred to run more power O and wanted to center with a little more, you know, like 330 pounds, then maybe that's that's a direction you go differently. But but other than that, I mean, if you're running wide zone, he's the most perfect center you can find and I just don't see his game not translating. I mean there there have been other guys, other players, there are players Iowa has in this draft who you kinda wonder about, you know, maybe they don't make the leap or maybe they're not quite as uh good, but I think Linderbaum is probably as safe, if not the safest player that I can remember coming out of Iowa.
1: Yeah, I think uh, I, I'm with you, Doc. So what what's he hearing? Did you? Um, I, I, not, I don't recall seeing it in the piece. If it is, I, I apologize. It slipped my mind. But mm-hmm. what what's he saying? As to who's, where does he think he'll go? Does is he hearing from one team in particular? That see, he seems like a Raven to me. Um, how about you? What's he hearing?
3: Yeah. Uh, well, he's had. Contacts with just about every team, and it's been from the Giants and Jets and and Ravens, the Steelers, the Packers, the Bears, the Dolphins. I mean, just so many different teams. Now, it's all really going to come down to how he, you know, where he ends up. And center hasn't been a first uh, top mm-hmm. ten pick since nineteen sixty eight, so I doubt that he ends up there. And, and when you look at the Jets and Giants, who probably could use him in the worst way. Uh, they're not going to draft him in, and they both each have two picks in the first 10. Right. But if they were to trade out and let's say the Giants traded, uh, with the Saints and the Saints got a quarterback and they're at like 16, then I could see him totally going to the Giants. I could see the Packers for sure. They, they could really use him. And then, you know, there's been some t- discussions about him slipping. I don't think that'll end up happening just because he is too valued of a prospect. But let's say he gets, uh to the border of the first round maybe even misses the first round completely that's when you're going to see like the bears and browns who are in round 2 uh that are you know might make a push to make the first pick of the second round and go get him
1: yeah, I'd be I'd be surprised if he does fall out that far. I really mm-hmm. would. Uh, and your the Steelers, that'd be another good one, right? And I know that Mike Webster is part of your piece. I'm not going to spoil it for people that haven't read. it. But man, that was a pretty good center in his state. Uh, no doubt about. Sorry, Jay.
2: yeah, no problem at all. Doc, I know how much you love the NFL draft. My partner Ken is the exact same way. You guys are deep into it. Let's go to Dame Belton. What you see out of Belton, and there's something about these Iowa defensive backs. You look at, of course, the tutelage that they get with Phil Parker. Dane Belton seems like a guy to me. Just watching his ascension, his best football still in front of him. I don't know if he can become a star, but I think he can become a real solid long-term player in the NFL. What do you see out of Dane Belton?
3: Yeah, it's probably a good point there, Trent. And and one of the things that he's done, especially to be playing that cash role and strong safety, is he's got uh, you know he's played multiple positions. He's played basically a nickel corner. He's played a Sam linebacker and a strong side safety. So he's got versatility. And his 40 time was kind of off the charts. Nobody really expected that. So it's really vaulted him into, into some serious conversations in the mid-rounds. Um, he's probably still a little raw, and which means I think you know, and two, you want to project him maybe two, three years down the road not project him as a starter necessarily, but maybe a sub package guy and some special teams responsibilities. So, but he's, he's been well-schooled, well-taught. And, uh, there's now, you know, somewhat of a history at that position. When you look at, um, you know, Amani Hooker who's played it. Amani was a little bit bigger, but I think Dane's a little faster and a little quicker. So um I, I think he's gonna be, you know, a pretty good find for somebody probably in probably in the fifth round is my guess. Late fourth to early sixth is probably where he'll end up, but uh he's I, I I won't say he's bust proof but I I like the idea that he's going to have a career at this. I think he's a a really good player.
1: Mm. Uh we'll get to the here now in in a second Doug, cuz I have one more for you and it was uh, it has to do with the guy that you know when he was healthy lined up right next to Tyler Linderbaum, and that's the shooter shot. I I was surprised when he um decided to forego his remaining eligibility and, and to uh you know to try and make it um you know, latch on with the team and, and, and try to make a living playing football. That surprised me, dog. I think he's a long shot at best. What are you hearing? Anything? Yeah,
3: he, he is kind of a long shot, and it's kind of interesting you bring him up because we'll have him on our TV show tonight. But, he's, uh, yeah, he is a long shot. I mean, he's about six foot. He's a lineman. You know, he's a walk-on to begin with his career. I don't know that he's really, uh, you know, he's certainly not going to get drafted, but he might be make you know, or at least get signed as a free agent and then see what happens from there. But I think the one thing is it's easy for us. And, and it's easy for me too, to, to look at somebody and say, well, why wouldn't you want to come back? And, mm-hmm. and but you know, th- that's a lot of wear and tear on a body that you're not getting paid. Even if it's NIL money, it's not a whole lot. And, and you have to couple that with going to school and he's already had his degree. And so it's oh, like, okay. what now? And, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, he's already had five, five plus years now. So it's a matter of, okay, let's let's give this a shot. Mm-hmm. If not, I think he's got his life planned out beyond football. So um, I expect him to probably get signed and go to a camp, and then after that we'll just see what happens.
1: You know, you mentioned your TV show the Murrays were on it last week. Boy, you guys had a crowd. And, Biden, did you see the Murrays? Were they at Shields, Shields yeah. in uh, in Coralville? Mm-hmm. Good God. Hundreds <laughs> of people to see that.
2: Anyways, You know, Doc, yeah. it, it's a different world with the NIL and seeing these guys out there. There's been talk, and I know last week it got brought up in conversation with some of the coaches and with Kirk about forming. What do they call it? The the NIL basically collective. Yes. Yeah, so fill us in on that because again we're talking about a new realm, Hiller, and it, it's still difficult for me to wrap my mind around it.
3: Yeah, and we're we're a bit behind here in the upper Midwest as compared to the South, where they're often and running. Uh, but yeah, there has been a lot of discussion about forming a collective. Uh, with the University of Iowa and, and its donors. And, and they're kind of going through it a little bit slowly. I did talk to Gary Barta about it the other day, and, and it hasn't been formed yet, but but they're looking at all options um, to try to make that a reality. And I know Wisconsin just announced, I think, last week it had experienced one. And, and so I think right now you're looking at um, Iowa's, you know, a pro- my guess is they're not very far away, maybe another month. To two months at the at the most, and and uh, you know, long term though, it's kind of interesting. I I one thing I've wondered about that with collectives is how will you know boosters? only have a finite amount of money, and Iowa's not a really rich school when it comes to boosters. But can you imagine? All right. Uh, should we split it down the middle? You know, if we mm. give a hundred thousand a year, should we give fifty to the collective and fifty to the school? Mm-hmm. Well, what's that going to do for the school? <laughs> you know, ultimately. So uh, I, I'm I'm really intrigued by those long-term options by a lot of teams and a lot of programs because you know, in Iowa and Iowa State and Minnesota, okay. Wisconsin, you know, the the donors are going to be like, well, <laughs> at least we know this is going to the players. You know, as opposed to you know another graphic designer in, in the marketing department.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's fascinating doc and that, that that's maybe the one area that uh uh is certainly worth watching uh, how that all shakes out. So speaking of how it all shakes out, what if anything have you gleaned from the spring? I know you won't get to see them till a week from Saturday uh when they have their open practice. They still got a couple of weeks uh to go here. What what are you hearing if anything? I know you had uh, defensive coaches last week. Anything stick with you doc?
3: Yeah, I think what, what's interesting is just how they're going to put the puzzle together on defense, what little tweaks they're going to make. I mean, defensively, they're in really good shape. Um, you know, defensive line is in outstanding shape. I mean, they were able to get to 30 sacks at the end of the year last year, which is kind of remarkable considering how much inexperience they had. And when you're looking at the growth pattern, I think they could be a dominant unit. And same thing with – with uh, the linebacking core, I think one thing that it came about was, you know, what are they going to do with the cash position? And when you have a Justin Jacobs who's um, agile enough and a good enough athlete, then maybe he he doesn't. They don't have to go cash as often because he can cover certain players. Now, if they're in man defense and he's got a slot receiver, that's not going to work. You know, that's not advantageous. But uh, overall, you know, there is also things like when. If they go up against a two-tight end set, you know, Illinois, Minnesota, Wisconsin did that a lot, uh, that maybe they'll flip everybody around and play uh, Jack Campbell as the outside linebacker um, to have him line head up on a tight end. So I I really am fascinated with some of the the nuance of the positions and stuff. But I think uh, overall they feel really good about defense. It's just a matter of uh, making sure, you know, a few of the guys are are out with spring injuries or with injuries that, from last year so, Um, you know, it's about building depth. And I think we we learned uh, Jay Higgins is is quite the, is a really good second team linebacker. And uh, I think we can all expect him to start in 2023.
1: Uh, Do you have any media availabilities this week?
3: Yeah, we do. We have players tomorrow. And then on Wednesday we have uh, a couple more assistants. I think we have uh, Jay Neiman and uh, LeVar Woods. And Raymond Braithwaite. So, yeah, we've got, uh, still, we'll still learn some more things. I'm sure we'll learn that the kicking competition is really close yep. and it's nowhere near solved. <laughs> right. And, um, you know, so I think that's probably what we'll learn the most this week.
1: Good stuff, Scott Dockerman. Thanks for doing this as always, Doc. Have a great week. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate Good, yep. it. Yep. Talk to you next Monday. Scott Dockerman from The Athletic as we catch up on Iowa. Well, Trent's play of the day is coming up.
2: And Ken's play of the day. I'm excited for this.
1: Well, I've got a dog. What? I've got a dog that's barking. All right. All right. I'm intrigued. I just want to just add it to your parlay, whatever you're doing. Okay. We will come back. Circus Sports sponsors Trent's play of the day. It's next. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 106.
0: KXNO.
2: Des Moines homeowners have two questions. What's the best time to rent out my home? And what's the best way to do it? The best time is when you're moving, relocating, combining households, inheriting a house, or you just don't want to pay a mortgage anymore. The best way to rent? Hire Renters Warehouse. Whether you have one home or a property portfolio, Renters Warehouse does the work so you don't have to. They perfectly price your property so you don't have to. They find great tenants in just 17 days on average so you don't have to. And for a small, flat, monthly fee, their professional landlords manage your property 24-7, so you don't have to. Collect the rent? You don't have to. Maintenance, inspections, and tax paperwork? You don't have to. There's no upfront fees, no binding contracts, and you can cancel at any time. Find out what your home will rent for by calling 515 528 4429. Or go to Rennerswarehouse.com. That's Rennerswarehouse.com. Renners Warehouse Des Moines. You can't buy happiness. Happy tastes good.
1: Back to Miller and Condon on KXNO and Trent's pick of the day. Presented by Circus Sports Iowa. All right, final couple of minutes, Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO.
2: Well, before we get to your play of the day, there is a little news concerning Joe Toussaint, Trent. Yeah, Ethan Bach of 24-7 is reporting that there is a commitment. Former Hawkeye Joe Toussaint will play next season at West Virginia. Uh Uh-huh. A little defensive prowess there. Huggy Bear, not known to dabble in the transfer portal very often. He gets a guy out of there from the University of Iowa. Well, he was there this weekend, Toussaint
1: was. That was his uh, visit, and, um, well... Get back in the state of Iowa. So we'll, uh, as fans of both schools, so we see him a couple of times, uh, yeah. as it takes on the clones twice next year. All right, Circus Play of the Day. Day baseball today. Do you have
2: a game you're going to watch this afternoon? Uh, nothing that exactly trips my trigger, but... Are you betting one of the games I this will. afternoon? I'm going to be playing the Guardians for the first time. To split that series, it's 2-1 right now for the Royals. Savali's my guy. I love that big looping curveball. He's just fun to watch. So, yeah, that'll probably have my most attention, mm-hmm. I would guess, this afternoon. So, going to play that one. Slight price. I got it minus 103 with the Guardians. I got a dog. Late afternoon. Give me my Tigers. 1-2 and two start. Mm-hmm. They get it even. They like got pounded yesterday. Home for the Red Sox coming to town. I will take them plus 106 and wrap it up tonight. 640 first pitch. Gonna be in the Mariners against the Twinkies plus one twenty. Dylan Bundy, he's gonna have a good mm. year. <laughs> Come on, we'll see.
1: Boy, their bats were on fire yesterday. That All right, so were. whatever you do, add the Montreal Canadiens to it. The Montreal. Well, There's so, only one game in the NHL tonight. Okay, and uh, they will win it. They will win it. Yes, and they're a dog. They're a slight dog. Yes, slight dog. So yep. we're getting free hockey. I out think of it's plus today. a buck five on the money line. Not too bad. Mm-hmm. Sure. They will beat the Winnipeg Jets. They're playing your team. They are. They're play- off of back-to-back. And Mark Scheifele got hurt. He's out for the year. I mean, they haven't announced it yet, but he for sure snapped his shoulder. Mm. Uh, he won't play tonight. Uh, they got too- the Jets have too many guys out there. The season is over, and Montreal hates Winnipeg. They- if- it's a good thing Scheifele is out because he was a Mark man. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, they were-, they were waiting to get him. Um, but he's not going to play. Yeah, they- add the Canadians okay. to your parlay. What do we have left for hockey? I think it's like, uh, we, two weeks left of the regular season, two probably like left. 10, nah, not probably 8 to 10 games for most teams. The Wild just keep on going. Mm-hmm. I mean the Minnesota Wild are unbelievable. They really they were down 3-nothing yesterday, 1-6-3. I
2: saw they won 6 3 I Yeah, they were down it. 3 zip
1: against the Kings. Against the Kings, very early they were down 3 zip and came roaring back with six unanswered. They can win this. Okay, yes. that, there was a
2: pause. Well, Colorado's really good. Okay.
1: I'm going to when we get this uh when we do get to the cup, mm-hmm. um, I'm gonna bet that it's a Canadian team breaks the
2: long drought. And it's been since the Canadians, right? Of uh ninety one. Beat the Rangers?
1: They beat the Rangers. I don't that doesn't ring a bell.
2: Okay. Uh,
1: but they might have. I don't remember exactly. But it's been since uh yeah, thirty years since they won it and this was I'll to be Toronto with Austin Matthews, and remember where you heard this. When I'm long gone from this radio station, Austin Matthews is anointed as the best American to ever play the game. He is, I'm telling you, and I've been telling you for. He might be the best player in the game today. On Connor the mean streets of Phoenix. From the beat streets of Phoenix to the NHL. Yeah, them are the uh, Flames of Calgary. Uh, Murph and Annie, in an hour and five minutes. The Fanatics at three. We're Miller and Con in weekdays, 10 to noon. Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO.